Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Audrey Cardwell. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, this Birmingham, Alabama native graduated with a BFA in theater from Penn State University and has since toured the country in shows like Anything Goes, Elf, Cinderella, Bright Star, and most recently Falsettos in which she played Cordelia. Please welcome Audrey Cardwell. Hi! How are you? I'm good, how are you? Good! I, I mean, as good as a person can be during a time I'm- like this. Exactly. As good as we can be. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Well, I'm glad you could come on and join me on this. Me too. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you on. I uh, got to see you in uh, Falsettos in Los Angeles. Good. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad. Did I see you with after at the stage door? Yes. (laughs) Well, great to see you again. Great to see you again. Good to see you again too. (laughs) So I, first of all, what have you been doing during this time to keep yourself sane? <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of, um, just a lot of various things. I, so I was in New York for the first couple months. And then in June, uh, my boyfriend and I and my dog decided to go down to visit my family um, in Alabama, where I was uh, born and where I was raised and where all my family still is. And we went down with the intention of staying for a couple weeks. And we've been down there for like, four months. So <laughs> we went to Alabama for, for a while. And I, you know, I have my family and I have a niece and a nephew and to have this like uninterrupted time available to be home is kind of a blessing. You know, it's, it's yeah. one good thing about this whole situation that is heartbreaking, but it is a good, a good thing that's, you know, I've gotten to have that family time. Um, but, uh, so other than that, keeping busy with my family, which has been really, really nice. Um, I, at one point I was in like five book clubs and that was awesome. Love that. Um, you know, re- reading a ton of books. Um, you know, I'm not like a big TV watcher, so that hasn't really filled a lot of my time. Shockingly. Um, I've been trying to like keep up with, you know, the, the movies that have been coming out, which now I'm like, I can't even remember one off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'm sure I've watched a lot of great movies. Um, and I've actually been building websites for mostly just for my friends. Um, so, and I'm very much an amateur. However, you know, I'm learning, I'm like starting to kind of learn how to code. Um, so I'm just kind of like flexing that new skill set. And it's been, that feels like a nice creative project that I've been able to pour my energy into. So I've been doing some of that. Um, I got, uh, my boyfriend and I got another dog. So we have another, uh, another baby in the family now. So that he's yeah. taking up a lot of our time as well. So just, um, those are, those are my big, my big things that have kept me, kept me together. Did you build your own website? I have to ask. I did. Wow. I did. I know. I think I got that domain like AudreyCardwell.com in like 2009, I think. Um, and I've like, kind of like, you know, sometimes I'll have the website or through the years, you know, for the past like two years, I've had it consistently, but since I bought that domain, I'll like kind of have the website on and then sometimes I'll go and not want to deal with it and just kind of shut it off or whatever, but always keeping the domain. Um, and then in the past couple of years, I've become just like obsessed with fiddling with it and like learning how to make it pretty and make it great. 
And um, so it all started with me doing my own. And then I was like, okay, I think I can like maybe, you know, help friends out and do this for friends. And yeah, so it's just kind of, you know, I mean, again, I'm an amateur for sure, but I can hey. kind of do it. <laughs> but, most, but I mean, compared to most people, I feel like most people don't even know where to begin for that. So like, that's yeah. amazing that you can yeah. help out So if anybody watching this needs help with their website, hit me up at card on Instagram and I will get you. <laughs> yes. So kind of getting into uh, theater, I love that you've been back home. That's so amazing. I had a similar experience through this. Oh, good. It, it, I mean, it's refreshing to have time off and that uninterrupted time as you said absolutely kind of getting into theater um so have you always known that you wanted to be in theater and like be a performer um no but I'd say when I was probably about like you know 13 14 and I started to really love theater and need it um, that's when I kind of started to realize like, okay, this is something that people do for a living. I think this is what I want to do for a living. Um, and there was nothing else that I had any interest in as deep or as, you know, important to me and my soul as theater. And so just as, as I got older, you know, by the time I was 16, a hundred percent, because at that point I knew I wanted to go to school for theater and I wanted to, you know, pursue a degree in theater. So by the time I was 16, I was like, okay, full force, this is what I'm doing. Um, but growing up, I think, you know, I, you know, of course, at one point wanted to be, um, a marine biologist. Oh Yeah. <laughs> It was probably after the first time I like saw a dolphin. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a marine biologist. Um, when I was actually five years old, I don't know where I learned what an obstetrician was, but I was saying that I wanted to be an obstetrician. <laughs> so that was my first dream, <laughs> which even now I'm like, okay, work. That's like, that would be a great, I'm here for an obstetrician. If I didn't have to go to medical school, I think I'm a little past, uh, past that. But, um, yes. Yeah, so by the time I was in my, you know, teens and doing theater all the time, I, I knew then that it was what I was going to do. Yeah. Did you ever have an astronaut phase? Oh my God. No, I think I've always been, I, I, love all things space, like every rocket launch, any, you know, big NASA announcement, my family and I are still like, you know, we'll watch the live stream, whatever. Um, but from a very young age, I've been very intimidated by space just in terms of like the void of it all. <laughs> so I think, I think I skipped over the astronaut phase because of that. I was like, mm, it's too big, too scary, too vast. I can't, I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I went through that phase and my parents were like, you're afraid of heights and you're afraid of like being upside down. So I don't think that's going to work out. <laughs> yeah, it might not, might not be the way, might not be the way. Are you with your family now? I am. Oh, nice. And where are you from? Where do you I'm live? I'm from Texas. So okay, nice. Good old Texas. Yeah, I thought I was going to come back for like three months and I've been here for like six months. Amazing. And where do you, where do you live norm normally, like full time? In California, Studio City, California. Amazing. Yes. Wow. I miss it, but eventually yeah. I'll get back. Of course, of course. No rush. Not going anywhere. Absolutely. So what was the first theater show you were ever in? And when did you realize you could sing also? Oh, 
Well, I always love to sing, um, but I actually have um, a pretty bizarre vocal journey. When I was, I, well, I'm just going to give you the whole story. I'll try to make it quick. Okay. Like when I first started like babbling, like just as a baby, my mom, so I was the uh, younger, I have an older sister. So I was my mom's second child. And just by comparison, she was like, okay, Audrey, her babbling like is so like raspy. I just had a really raspy voice. Obviously we can hear, I still have some depth and it's a little, you know, it's got some color to it, but it was super scratchy and raspy even as a baby. And just kind of, as I started to grow and go in for checkups, you know, my mom would kind of ask and be like, is she, is she okay? It just sounds like so harsh and hoarse and is something wrong. And the doctor was like, no, she's probably fine. You know, she might just have, you know, like a scratchy voice. Um, and then by the time I was, I think three or four, I actually was scoped, which, you know, is a, a normal thing for singers. Um, but as a child, you know, that's not really something they're yeah. going to do unless they're looking for something per- in particular. And I did have nodules as like a three-year-old. So I kind of, you know, they don't know if maybe I just had them when I arrived on this earth or what, um, but I have my vocal cords Uh, you know, of course, no one is perfectly symmetrical, but mine are two different sizes. And so I've just had a slew of vocal health problems throughout my life. So I had nodules like kind of on and off. I, and I wasn't doing theater until I was about 12. And so up until that point, um, you know, I was just like taking dance and I love to dance. Um, And that was kind of my gateway into theater. Um, But up until I started to do musicals, uh, you know, it was just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to have a scratchy horse voice. And I love to sing in the car and I love to sing along to all the cast albums of the shows we'd seen. Um, you know, there's like a little home video of me singing. I can't say no when I was like six, but I couldn't really, I didn't have the facility because my voice was so scratchy. And so just, I mean, it sounded like a kid with notes because I did, I had nodules. Um, and so it was, it was like my, it was like something I always wanted, you know, and I remember when I saw the movie Selena, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Selena. Yeah. The best. Um, I was obsessed with Selena and I would dance around with my brush and like try to sing. I also don't speak Spanish. So I would try to like sing the Spanish that I could hear. Terrible. I wish (laughs) I learned Spanish. Um, but I, I like wanted so badly to be a singer. I did. And, and as, as like a young kid, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen just because of all this stuff I had going on vocally. Um, and then the first musical I ever did was The Music Man. Ooh. It was a community theater production. And there was like a literal posting on a bulletin board. So, you know, this is like old school. This is in the early 2000s. Um, that my mom saw at my dance studio and it was like we're looking for dancers who want to be in a musical and we grew up going to see all the tours that would come through Birmingham and we loved musicals in my family we just never really we weren't involved in them Um, and we just hadn't you know found the world yet and my mom you know came to me and my sister and was like do you guys want to do do you want to audition to do this community theater production of the music man and we were like yeah we love the music man the movie so yeah great and um, we auditioned. Um, I was actually telling this story to my friend yesterday. I sang um, an old, uh, a Christian, like that's actually a contemporary Christian hymn. It's called Sanctuary. Okay. <laughs> the lyrics are, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Um, and that's the song I sang for my music band audition. 
Love Which, it. looking back, I'm like, why didn't I sing I Can't Say No, one of the musical yeah. theater songs that I knew at the time, but whatever. I guess I needed to, you know, to call upon the higher spirits. Hey. I don't know. Hi, Maddie. Oh, it's her dog. One of my little puppies. Oh. Yes, hi, pumpkin. Hi, what pumpkin. kind? Oh, this is actually, this is my friend. So I'm, um, I'm currently uh, in a house with two of my friends okay. and this is their dog. Uh, her name's Lottie and she's a, a Morky. So she's like a Yorkie Maltese. Oh my she's amazing. Lottie, Lottie, come here. Oh she my ran God. away. Oh, <laughs> come here, honey. Let me, I, I heard my no. name camera shy she I literally went to pick her up and she was like nope about face no 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 I don't want to be on the camera um, <laughs> you have to pick me on the yeah, camera yeah 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 I need my agent to okay this before I go on film okay yeah <laughs> yes. um and so from there I just I was like I love you know I loved telling stories and I loved being a part of these musicals that I had grown up watching and um I really just did like community theater for the first year or so and then kind of found my way to the to the professional theater company. We have kind of just one holding down the fort in Birmingham, or at least we did at the time. And they have like a youth training program and they have, you know, like a summer, um, like a summer workshop for kids doing musical theater. And then they also have like a year round performing ensemble that like represents the company. So it's kind of this educational um, thing underneath this professional theater company in Birmingham. And so that was a really wonderful, like the doors flung open in terms of exposure for me, just learning like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do a professional show. This is how this works. This is, you know, just from, you know, 13 on, I was really involved. And um, the name of that company is Red Mountain Theater Company, and they're still going strong in Birmingham. Um, and uh, we actually have like a, so many people that grew up in Red Mountain that are still in New York and have made like wonderful careers for themselves in LA and in New York. It's, it's like a, it's a great, it's a great training ground and um, it's just a wonderful place. So found that. And then through the years, my voice kind of started to get healthy a little bit yeah. and I could kind of make it work. Um, and then when I was 16, I developed a polyp, which is like, even it can be yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty bad. A lot of people will yeah. just get surgery um, but because I was so young, I decided to just go with speech therapy because I was like, okay, obviously I have something innately happening that I need to fix, you know? And I, I, I think I knew even then if I just get a surgery, it's going to fix it in this moment, but it's not going to, I'm not going to learn how to, how to speak and breathe and sing correctly to the point where this won't happen again. Um, and so when I was 16, I was on like full vocal rest for a month. And, you know, I went to school like with a little whiteboard and like had to like write down stuff and raise my hand and lift my whiteboard if I had a question. Um, and this was before like iPhone. So I wasn't able to like put in, you know, and now I feel like it would be so easy. I could do like the voice to or text to voice, whatever, right. but wasn't an option at the time. Um, and then I, I feel like after that, I started to kind of find my groove vocally and it took going to college um and having the most incredible voice teacher who like was so patient with me as my voice learned to you know stretch and grow because it was so limited when I got to college um 
anyway, that was like the longest answer to your question. And so to answer it concisely, I've always loved to sing. And I don't feel like I found myself as a singer until I was like 25. But you went to, you went to Penn State, right? I did. Okay. So like, that's pretty, I feel like that's a pretty amazing school. So you must have developed your, like, you must have developed yourself in the theater world enough to get into that school. Yes. Yes. So it's not like I couldn't carry a tune, but I just had the tiniest range. I mean, the tiniest range, like the tiniest, you know, there were, there were so few songs that I, that I felt confident singing. um, And it, it was just, it was a constant struggle to like figure out what I could sing in terms of like female musical theater songs, because there were so few that I, that my voice could handle because I truly couldn't sing anything soprano. Um, you know, my, I like maxed out at like a C on a good day, like a C, like a, not a middle C, but one octave above a C. Okay. So it was limited, but what I could do, I could do very well. And I learned how to really have control over my very limited range. And I knew, I think I've always known, um, just, how to, how to be myself, even if I wasn't, you know, able to, if I didn't have the, I didn't have the biggest range. I just didn't, but I knew that. And I knew how to showcase what I could do. Um, and so I think I, when I was, you know, auditioning for colleges, cause I did the whole, you know, 20 yeah. something colleges, all that madness. Um, I just found material that really worked for me. Um, and, knew how to highlight what I did do very well. And Penn State was so amazing to me. They have, I mean, in my opinion, like some of the best, or at least when I was there, some of the best vocal faculty you can find. Um, And just like, I needed Penn State because they literally gave me my voice um, and spent four years helping me because I mean, if I had gone out into the real world with the voice that I went into college with, like it would have not gone how it's gone for me. I just, I needed that time. My voice needed that time to like really heal and grow. Um, so, so, so yeah, I loved my time at Penn State. I could go on and on. But I feel like if people, cause I was looking up videos last night, I always look up video, like YouTube videos. I feel like if someone looked up a YouTube video of you singing, like they never know. I appreciate that. About the right, about like how the struggles that you've had because you, you have such a gorgeous voice. I was Thank watching you. your cover of Neverland last night and that's one of my favorite songs ever. Me too. I can't be, I can't hear it or sing it anything without just sobbing, without absolutely yeah. just sobbing. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, and I mean, you know, that's part of the, like mental um, struggle of having ever had a vocal injury is you feel like everyone knows and everyone's judging you <laughs> and all that. And cause you know, as, as the person that experienced it, you know, I can still hear like if any little thing feels off, I, of course, I'm like, you know, I haven't, I've had an injury. I have to be careful. I have to this, I have to this, you know, there's just a constant mental gymnastics around it. And you know, even, even still, whenever I sing, I'm convinced they can tell that I had a polyp. They can tell, you know, I had a polyp when I was 20, when I was 16 and they can tell, they know, and I'm just, I'm not going to get this job or they're going to think I'm terrible. You know, it's just this constant panic. And I, you know, I just don't think that ever really goes away. You just learn how to 
navigate and have the resilience emotionally and physically to to persevere. Yeah, and and in reality, no one can tell really if they're watching you sing in a show on stage. Right. Thank you. I mean, you know, I know that, but I don't like know that. You know, the panic. You're tough on comes through. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're tough on yourself. You're your own worst enemy. Yeah, but thank you. It's you know, I it's it's a constant. It's a daily. it's a daily work. I have to work every single day to maintain my voice. And, you know, I'm glad I learned young that that's what I had to do. Cause by the time I was 17, I was like, okay, I've got a sensitive instrument. I have to be so, so careful. I have to take extra care and that's just the way it's going to be. So you've done a lot of world of national tours. I have. <laughs> when was, I, when did you get cast in your first national tour? How soon after uh, college was it? I got, so my first was Anything Goes, and that was, like, the big, I mean, I still, like, I still just, I'm still giddy over it, because it was just, like, I wanted that show so badly, I was, oh my god, so I auditioned for it, like, a week after my showcase, so it was May of 20, I got, I'll give away my age, I don't care, I graduated college in 2012, so it was May of 2012. And, um, I actually, um, didn't, I kind of, I kind of love this story. This is just like a little, you know, it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. Um, so I was auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. I was in just kind of for the ensemble. And then they were having me audition to cover hope, which at the time fresh out of college, I was still very like nervous using my like soprano. And even though hope is not at now I'm like, oh, that's not high at all. But at the time I was like panicked about it. And it was my first, like, you know, my first like big set of auditions in New York. And it was just like, you know, it was very, it was nerve wracking. And it was a job that I felt like I could actually get. Um, and so I, I, and I wanted it so bad. So I was deeply invested. And so I was auditioning to like kind of cover hope. And then my final audition, um, it did not go well. Like I was not happy with it at all, you know? And I walked out and I was like, yeah, damn, I really like, oh, I'm so close. I just don't feel like I blew it out of the water. Like I know I can. Um, and within like a week, I found out that it had been cast and I was like, okay, it makes sense. Like I understand I, you know, lesson learned there's more I could have done to calm my nerves. It really was just like, I was so nervous. Um, yeah. and you were I was young. like, I was young. I was, so I was 22. Um, yeah, that's so young. Fresh out of college. Yeah. And, um, just, yeah, just eager and, and nervous, of course. Um, but I remember, you know, feeling like, okay, that's all right. You know, that wasn't my show and that's okay. Um, and I learned a lot, you know, I know now like, yeah, what I need to do to calm my nerves to feel like so, 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 so prepared, you know, it was like, at that point I was like, I'm never going to go in on and I wasn't unprepared. Let me be clear. I was so prepared, but you know, I was like, oh, there's so much that goes into an audition. It's more than just me practicing the song over and over again. It's me practicing the song standing up. It's me practicing the song moving around. It's me. Pra- it just, it, I, I was learning a lot at the, you know, just as like how to audition because it's its own set of, you know, of, uh, of skills that you need. And I learned in that anything goes audition that I'm not someone who is gonna always do better with adrenaline. 
Like I know, you know, there have been some auditions where I'm like, oh, thank God I had that adrenaline going because that would not have gone well without the adrenaline. But I learned there that I'm not always going to be able to fall back on my adrenaline, that I need to know that I've got it regardless. And, you know, and again, I was prepared for this audition. It's not like I was willy nilly about it. I just, I kind of like, you know, dug my feet into the ground. I was like, okay, so auditioning, I got to be the best at these auditions. I've got to figure out how to be so, so strong in these auditions. Anyway, so it was cast. I didn't get it. I was like, okay, moving on. And then a month later, I got a phone call from my agent that I had just signed with like, you know, in May. And he was like, Audrey, I have some good news. And I was like, okay, what is it? And And he said, you are gonna be a swing on the Anything Goes tour. And I just burst into tears. I didn't know what to do. I was just sobbing, crying. I was so happy because I wanted that job so badly. And so what had happened was there was like a trickle down. Um, Somebody, one of the principals uh, had, you know, committed to doing it, dropped out. And then, Alex Fink, who I don't know if you know Alex Fink, uh, she's one of my best friends and is an incredible actress. Um, she was in the ensemble of Anything Goes. We didn't know each, we, we knew each other just like peripherally. We uh, weren't super close at the time, um, but she was in the ensemble, got moved up to the role of Hope. And then one of the swings got moved into her ensemble track. And then I was the next in line. And so then I was the swing. <laughs> It was meant to be. It was meant to be. It was so, it was, it was so lovely. It was so perfect. And it was, and I love that, like that my getting that job also meant that Alex got to step into the, to the role. And this was all before we started rehearsal. So this was still just like when casting was, you know, finalizing everything. But Alex had been offered the ensemble and to cover Hope. And then a couple, like she got the same phone call I got, except hers was actually now you're going to play Hope. How, How about that? And, um, and then we got on that tour together and there, along with so many other incredible actors and so people that I just adore to this day. And she and I are now best friends and I love her more than I can ever say. And Anything Goes gave us like, you know, it kind of launched her career. It kind of, you know, started mine and yeah. it gave us each other. And here we are. So yes, I was fresh out of college and nervous as hell. To, but I got the tour. <laughs> and that's so insane to be like, hey, I got my first tour at age 22. I know. And it was like, you know, the, the real, I mean, first of all, to, to feel like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to actually like be able to do this, you know, because there's that yeah. element leaving college where you're like, okay, hope this goes well. If not, after a couple of years, I got to find something new to do with my life. You know, there really is that unknown element of, will I even work? Will I be able to make ends meet? Will I have a career? You know, there's just so many questions because there's nothing is guaranteed in this crazy industry. Um, And so it felt like positive affirmation that, you know, I'm, I should be pursuing this, that, that I'm going to be okay. And also I was like, okay, I'm not going to have to move and be broke in New York. I have a job. I can pay my bills. I can save money. It was like, you know, because I mean, before I got that tour, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to move to New York and I don't know, wait 
tables and sorry, I'm just adjusting my little. No, that's okay. A little weird. Um, you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do to make ends meet. I have zero dollars and I guess here we go. So it was beautiful and just, it was a gift on so many levels. And you got to learn how to swing through that too. Which is, I think should be a requirement for anybody who's ever going to be an actor in any capacity. I think you should have to be a swing because the lessons learned, the resilience you have to have. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I actually ended up swinging one other time um, on the Cinderella tour. Okay. Which is a whole other thing. But I, yes, I ended up swinging again. Um, And I just love the kind of the constant like mental gymnastics that you have to do when you're yeah. swing. It's so high stress. It's so high anxiety. Um, but it's so worth it. You know, when you click into the track that you're doing and you're like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, of course, you, you know, I made many mistakes. Uh, my first performance on, I took the most epic tumble that I've ever taken on stage. And it was my first <laughs> performance on for anything goes. And the uh, rest of the performance went incredibly well I was shocked and amazed but but then, yeah yeah and then I was like well no can't be can't be perfect gotta have a big old fall there at the end yeah. um but just learning how to like have all that stuff happening in my brain um was so helpful when I ended up you know understudying roles because on anything goes I was covering yeah. the eight ensemble women um I was then, gonna ask yep just That's good everybody eight, you know, and luckily anything goes is a lot of like lines and grids. The formations were very, um, very symmetrical. And so it was a really great first, it was a great way to learn how to swing because it wasn't like, you know, I feel like, like Les Mis where there's like 48,000 people and they're all like kind of meandering. You know what I mean? Like the meandering walking now that is the stuff that will mess up my brain. But if you're, if we're in a dance, you know, number and we've got like lines, 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 it's so much, it's so much easier to like kind of click into it. So it was a, it was a great show to learn how to swing on. And the cast was amazing. And it was just a dream. I was just overjoyed to be there. How did you, did you cover all of the eight tracks that like, did you get to go on as all of the eight tracks? I, I did. I did by wow. the end. I did. So I stayed on the tour until um, I left one month before we closed, which kind of broke my heart, but I was so lucky to have gotten another job that I wanted to do. Um, And so I left a month before we closed. So I didn't get to like close out the tour, but I was there for a year and a half and I did end up doing every single one that I covered eight roles. And since then you've been on, if I counted correctly, four more tours. So how did that Anything Goes tour prepare you for more tours in the future? Um, just learning how to be ready for anything. You know, just the lessons of swinging were really invaluable. So being prepared at any moment to go on for anything, you know, because I'd swung once I understudied, um, once I understudied a lead role, I was like, oh, I need to be ready because stuff happens. You're going to tell yourself like, it's fine. Nobody will call out, blah, 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 but stuff happens, yeah. you know? And so I just knew from anything goes on, like 
I have to be ready at any, you know, I need to do all I can to be ready at any moment for anything, you know, even if it's showing up on day one, I'm obviously not going to know the blocking yet, but I can know my lines. I can know, I can have everything, you know, memorized to the best of my ability from the score and from the scripts. Like I know I can do that. And, um, you know, I kind of have like an obsessive brain in that way. Like I kind of like itches my mind if I don't have things really, really memorized. Like I can't, I just don't work as well if I'm like half in my script. Um, so yeah, so I've always been kind of like obsessed with knowing what's on the page before I can kind of step away to anything else. Um, and you know, anything goes reinforce that, like just be ready for anything. Um, it also taught me a lot about just how to work with people and how to, um, you know, the, how those interpersonal relationships are just as important as the work that you're going to actually do on stage. Um, you know, because so much of being a swing is navigating, um, unfortunately navigating people's personalities and what they need as, you know, as your dance partner or as someone that you're, you know, standing next to a lot of people need their, their things when they're on stage. And I totally understand. And being a swing taught me how to be really adaptive and how to just really listen and pay attention to everybody's needs and, and to, you know, of course, without hindering myself to do the best that I can to, you know, be present and be, um, be as stable as I can for everyone around me. Um, it also taught me how to, once I was playing roles, so moving from understudying to then once I was playing roles, uh, having been a swing, I learned how to, um, how to treat because I knew how hard it, how hard it was that what they were doing, understanding or swinging, I knew to go out of my way to make sure that person felt at the very least comfortable and loved, you know? And so I, I, I will go so far out of my way to the best of my ability to, you know, go talk to the person that's understudying a role that's popping on tonight or even a swing and like, just go give them a hug and be like, you're amazing. I love you. You're great. I just, because those things really, really do matter. And they mattered to me when I was swinging and understudying. And I learned that, you know, going, just taking that minute out of the, out of my war or out of my, you know, pre-show um, warm up to just go and be like, Hey, you got this. You're amazing. What can I do? What do you need from me? You know? Yeah. And, and being, malleable on stage as well to that new person and letting that new person find their groove and you know releasing these ideas that we have that we're like our show is like so locked into place of course many elements are and those have to do with safety or lights or costumes or whatever but in terms of like how we're vibing on stage like it it, now is so thrilling to me going on with new people because you know, I know that they're having this experience for the first time and, and I get to be present for that. And that is a gift. And I wouldn't ever want to like, like, you know, get on to somebody. Of course, I would never say something to another actor. If there was an actual issue, I would take to stage management, but I would never take something to stage management and be like, they were like three inches to the right. And I just didn't like it. You know, I just, yeah. I, I learned like how little those things matter and how much this human being matters and how I want to uplift this other person as best I can in, in this moment. Um, and also just like 
just knowing how to, how to talk to people, how to take notes. I learned how to take all the notes being, I'm sure that's helpful and how to do it graciously, you know, like, and really just letting go of all defenses, um, which, you know, we all can have as, as artists, we, we have ownership over so few things in this industry that once we do get our hands on a roll, I understand we're all like, this is, you know, I want to protect it. I, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, we want to defend our, our choices or what have you. And, um, it was good for me at least to kind of have that reminder of like, okay, wow. Yeah. I got to leave all that at the door, you know, while still maintaining and asserting my, um, autonomy and my creative presence in the role and in the room, there's a fine, fine balance to, you know, keeping a, a good positive work environment. And a lot of it requires just dropping the ego. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also the audience can see the chemistry between people on stage Absolutely. and it helps them enjoy the show even more. Absolutely. I'm like, what are we doing? We're telling the story of humans. We're telling the story of whoever the humans are, but it's a story of people. So let's just be our people and we're all going to be different every single day. Yeah. It's going to be different. So what was your journey on the Cinderella tour? Like, cause I saw you, you did a lot on that tour. I did. Like, one thing to another. <laughs> pretty I mean how quickly did that happen well I was on the tour the entire time which was um let's see almost it was almost two years I guess it was wow. like let's see we closed oh my gosh my math is so bad so uh, we opened in October of 2014 and then closed in May of 2016 yeah so it was almost two years um so I was on the show the whole time so it was a nice long journey um I started and I was in the ensemble and I was understudying Cinderella and Gabrielle, one of the sisters. Okay. So that's where we started. And um, that was another just like pinch me moment. I was so happy to be there. I couldn't believe I was getting to cover that role. Like I couldn't believe, I mean, I remember I got like the audition to go in to cover Ella and I called my agent and I was like, is this a typo? I think this might be a typo. And I wasn't even like trying to be funny. I was genuinely like, I'm just gonna assume they meant, um, they meant Gabrielle. And my agent was like, no they, no, they they meant Cinderella. And I was like, oh my God. Because again, I was still like, I was still so much in the mindset of like, I'm a, you know, I'm a dancer, I can sing, but I'm not gonna play leads. Like that really wasn't, when I got out of college, I wasn't, um, I didn't feel like I would be playing roles. I, I, I was like, I'm, you know, an ensemble girl yeah. and, you know, I can, I can hold down your vocal lines for sure, but I'm not going to be playing Cinderella by any means. Um, and so <laughs> I was just thrilled to be covering and, and to be there. And I loved that show so, so much. Um, and so yes, my journey began ensemble covering Cinderella, covering Gabrielle. And I um, went on a handful of times for Cinderella. It was, she, the um, Paige Foray played uh, Ella at when we first started the tour and I adore her. She's also one of my dear friends, love her so much. Um, and she had a personal day, a planned personal day, like a month into the run, a month after we opened. And so- So like, you were prepared. 
So I was prepared. And so two weeks before that personal day, you know, they told me you're going to be going on. So, you know, I, I'd had rehearsals. I'd had a, I had a full put in like two days before, you know, so I knew everything. I was ready. Also, again, because I had been a swing, I showed up day one of rehearsal and I was like, I could probably go on like today. I was, you know, and I was also just obsessed with the material and I was, I loved doing it. And I loved that. I was like, maybe going to get to try my hand at this role that I never thought I'd get to try. So I was just so excited and loved working on it. Like loved pulling out my script and just like staring at my lines and reviewing them. I just loved it. Um, and so I was ready and I did my first performance and it was, I mean, you know, it was amazing. It was so much fun. I mean, I don't know how it went like from the audience perspective, but I had a blast. Um, I'm sure it was amazing. I mean, it's it every, really every child's dream to play Cinderella. I know. And I've never even been a girl to be like, you know, I've never like felt drawn to any of like the princesses. Like I was never really yeah. like into like, the, the frilly like princesses but as soon as we started Cinderella I was like oh my god I'm a princess <laughs> you know <laughs> and I was like living my dreams that I feel like I never even had as a child I was like okay this is I get I get the hype now yeah um, it was so so fun and and also the creative team really was you know they let me be me um you know because I think as soon as I opened my mouth to speak or sing, I'm not going to sound, I am, you know, just looking at like Laura Austin's who originated the role. I'm obviously very different. And my voice, as soon as I talk, it's going to be like, oh, this is not the squeaky clean princess we maybe had in mind. And, you know, in that regard, I kind of think the creative team took a, took a chance on letting me understudy the role even because, you know, I really don't have that squeaky clean um, kind of vibe about me. Um, and so I, I, I was grateful that they really, you know, they were like, don't, you know, don't feel the need to, to, to mimic anybody or do anything that is outside of yourself, just bring yourself to the role. And of course, when you're understudying, that is challenging because again, you're navigating people that are expecting the show to go a certain way and for you to sound a certain way and do, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and that's a challenge of understudying is, is learning how to assert yourself as, again, your own individual, but respecting the show as it runs. And, you know, because I was in the ensemble, I also knew how that felt, you know, so I was on stage yeah. every night and I knew how it normally went. Um, so then, so I, you know, I went on a handful of times. It was awesome and fun every time. And then, um, uh, our, our Ella was um, going to take, she had a, she had her son on tour and doing, she, he was two at the time. Obviously it was stressful. He's amazing. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a really demanding role. I mean, you just don't leave the stage. Yeah. Um, and she was going to take some time off. And so she took three months off and they asked me to step into the role, which again, I was like, what? really like why I couldn't believe it um it was just so wild to me I couldn't believe it and so I then assumed the role of Cinderella you know and I signed a whole new contract and I was like 
playing the role. And I did that for, I think it was like 12 weeks or something. Wow. Um, It was amazing. And that was my first time playing a role outside of college, like actually playing the role, like playing and stepping into it as an understudy, but, you know, going up, showing up to work every day and being the role. Um, So that was incredible and magical. And it was, you know, it was a great kind of stepping stone in that way, because I knew if I can do this as an understudy, I can do it eight times a week. You know, I like, and it was a, it was a good, it built my stamina. You know, I kind of learned like, okay, what do I have to do to, to, you know, take care of myself to make this happen eight times a week. And, um, but it was in a company that I already knew and loved and felt safe in. So it was like, you know, very challenging and, you know, it is, it is a difficult just in terms of like your presence on stage, you just never leave. But I felt supported and loved and cared for as I kind of learned that new world of navigating how to play a lead role. And so then after that, I went back to my ensemble track after that, which was awesome, you know, and yeah. I, I think a lot of, a lot of, I remember some of my castmates were like, is it like, is it weird? Is it like sad? And I was like, no, oh. I still have a job. Like I have a job I love and I got to do this amazing thing. I knew it was only going to be for a short chunk of time and I am nothing but grateful. And now I get to go back and play with all my friends and be in the ensemble and have a great time. Um, and I was actually, I was like, I loved going back to the ensemble because something that you don't really realize until you're doing it is playing a lead, especially playing like a lead like that. It's really lonely, um, you know, because you're on stage or you're alone. And, you know, it's like I was on stage or I was changing my clothes or I was sitting in my dressing room for intermission. Like that was it. And to go from being in a social, you know, girls dressing room and chit chatting with my friends all the time and having all this downtime, you know, while we're, you know, changing costumes and sitting together backstage in our gondola or whatever, I went from that to then just being like by myself. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I see this is something else that we have to learn to navigate as principals is um, you're you're alone a lot more of the time. And it can be, you know, it can be kind of lonely. It's uh, especially, you know, when you're tired and you want to like feed off the energy of your cast. And before the show, you're like alone in your dressing room. It's, it can be challenging. So I would always make it a point to go around and like talk to people <laughs> and see my friends before, before to kind of fuel my, you know, my social. Yeah. And it helps you energy wise. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just good to remember like, oh yeah, I'm not just going out there and doing this thing by myself. I have, you know, we've got, we're all in this together. We're here together doing this. Did you have kids address you as Cinderella after the show ever? Oh, yes. Your- okay. Yes. And I also, um, when I was in the ensemble, the dress that I wore, so William Ivy Long designed the costumes for Cinderella, which were incredible to say the very least. Um, And the dress that I wore when I was in the ensemble was um, he designed to look like Disney's Cinderella cartoon. So it's like the blue, she's got like her blue and she's got blonde hair. And it's like this periwinkle blue dress that it, and he said, you know, he's like in my fitting, he's like, this is like a little Easter egg. You know, I wanted it to look like the Disney Cinderella because people come expecting her to be 
in the Disney, you know, it, because it was confusing. A lot yeah. of people didn't know that this was not the Disney version, that this was the Rodgers and Hammerstein version. Yeah, yeah. And so people would show up expecting to see Cinderella in that blue. And she's obviously not. She's in this gorgeous white gown and then a gold gown. But I was in that little like blue dress that did look like the Disney Cinderella. And so even um, when I was in the ensemble, people would come up to me and be like, you look like the Cinderella from the, from the cartoon. And oh my God, it's just so, so magical. And little girls would be in their dresses and just, oh my gosh, it was so magical and so sweet. I'm sure being on a tour like that is so much fun because of the presence of the little kids who like, ooh, exactly. they're going to see their first show their first ever. Show. Oh my gosh, I know. And the matinees were always just like filled with kids and, you know, we, we could hear them throughout the show and it just never bothered me because I was like, oh my God, these kids are getting... Yeah this experience and you know oh, like you what a gift that they're here and to hear their excitement and to hear them talking and to hear their energy it, oh it's just it was so so fun did you have a favorite song to sing as Ella oh my gosh um I think um let's see let me like really I'm like going through good the song. songs I'm like what are the songs again um my I think the loneliness of evening um, which she just sings like a little like chunk in, but that was definitely one of my favorite moments. Um, I also always loved just the, well, um, see, I'm going to list everything. I loved the opening. Hey, um, everything. <laughs> I mean, just like getting to run down center stage, you know, and then have this incredible Rogers and Hammerstein music underscoring you I mean it was just I still cry thinking about it it was so magical and so special to me and oh my gosh um but also singing it's possible like come on like yeah. having like and again as the as like an understudy I will never forget that first performance I went on and I was like it's possible it's possible you're like sobbing the whole time in the audience <laughs> yes, they're like wow she's really feeling this and you know because you you know you kind of you know, Audrey creeps in and is like, oh yeah. my God, I'm having this experience while, you know, you try to, you know, obviously staying focused and staying, you know, present in the moment of the show. But I always have those moments where like, I go back to like, Audrey, this is happening. This is a yeah. moment in your life. This is really, really cool. Um, yeah. So those are some of my, so those are some of my, my highlights. And I just realized that I never even finished the story because I'm so talkative. Sorry. I um, love it. <laughs> that after I went back to the ensemble and then a couple months later, one of our swings was leaving and I asked to swing because my body really? I had been doing like the same, you know, same thing for a year at that point. And I just kind of wanted to change it up and I wanted something new and I wanted a new challenge. And so I asked um, Josh Rhodes, who was our choreographer. Um, I just sent him an email and I was like, Hey, uh, would you want to consider me to be the swing? <laughs> And, and he was like, uh, yes, that's so much easier. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And then they, you know, kind of chit chatted about it. And then, uh, yeah. So then I moved into uh, a swing position. So then I was covering like, I can't oh. remember how many, I, but I was covering oh. all the ensemble women as well as still Cinderella and Gabrielle. So I covered like, I think by the end I did like 10 or 11 roles what? Cinderella. It was so wild. It was so fun. It was so fun. It makes, when you go into audition for yourself, it makes for like, oh, wow, she can handle anything. Right. And I do think that my resume is, it's kind of all over the place. And I think sometimes it's a little confusing. They're like, we don't really know what, 
what to do with you because it is like now it's like swing cinderella ensemble understudy and then it's like cordelia but also understudy trina uh, yeah alice murphy it's all it's kind of all over the place <laughs> and, and speaking of that you went on to uh tour in bright star which I did I was listening to the soundtrack last night and it's like so different from anything you hear on Broadway, really. Yeah. There's yeah. not did a you, ton. Did you see the show? I didn't. I wish I did. very shortly lived on Broadway, sadly. Yeah, I, I wish I did and I wish it would come back. Why do, you, why do you think it was like so underrated? I mean, it came out the same year as Hamilton, right? It did. So yeah. that's probably a little why. Yeah. And the color purple was also in that season okay. as well. Um, I just think it wasn't, it just wasn't the time. Yeah. It just, I think the timing was off. Um, I also think that, you know, there were a lot of, uh, decision. I'm, I'm just trying to think of how to like, you know, yeah. phrase this properly. Um, it was an, everyone in the cast was white. And while that is historically accurate, I just don't think that's a proper representation of any kind of American story at this point. And I think that, at least for me watching the show, um, I, I, I wished that there had been a, di a more diverse representation. Um, but, you know, it also is just looking at at the, the piece itself, it is very niche. You know, like you yeah. said, there's nothing like it. Um, you know, it's not, even, you can't even really call it country. It's not really bluegrass. It's, it's, it's kind of a mixture of all things. They, you know, while we were in rehearsal, I learned that the term that the creative team likes to use for the style of the music is Americana, okay. which is just kind of broad, you know, it's, 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 so it, it's just, it's a very particular piece and it's also um it's it's steve martin so it's got this incredible element of comedy yeah. while also having some really heavy stuff going on so it really is kind of just all over the place um and i just I, yeah I, but i think mostly it was it was really just timing it was really just timing um and it it is, it's such a beautiful, special, special show. Um, but I think it needs, um, it just needs to, to be under, I mean, also maybe it just shouldn't have been on Broadway. Maybe it should have been off Broadway. I don't know. Um, but certainly Carmen Cusack yeah. wasn't, did not go unnoticed, hallelujah, because she is a force to be reckoned yes. with. Um, and she, you know, she was nominated for a Tony and, and which was more than deserved for her. Um, yeah, but I really think it just kind of came down to timing with Bright Star. What do you think made it? Cause I mean, I think the fan base who did get to see it loved it so much yeah. from what, from what I've seen on social media, which I was like looking up posts on social media about it last night and people were like, it's yeah. so underrated. Like I wish it had lasted longer. Yeah. It, it like as you said it came at the wrong time it came like it was around when Hamilton was around and Hamilton kind of got all the publicity at the time yeah which I mean Hamilton's amazing but of course uh so what do you think made it so special to the fans that got to see the show I really think it's because it feels like this secret and it feels like um because it is so 
just it's kind of overlooked in a lot of ways. I think the fans that we do have are so devoted because it feels like this um, little like club that that nobody is even like interested yeah. in being a part of. And, but the the people that are in it are like we're we know we see we get it. Um, and I also think that it just has there's just something about the energy of the show where when it when it hits you it hits you like so deeply that you really have no choice but to be invested in the story and invested in the people and invested in the show. Um, and I know I felt that way. I mean, after the end of act one, um, I saw the show in New York when I was, you know, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't even know there was going to be a tour. This was like a year before. Um, and came full circle. I, yeah, came full circle. And I remember sitting in the audience and excuse me, I, um, I bought the cast album sitting in my chair at intermission, like <laughs> curtain, curtain came down and I was like, I have to get this cast album. Who is this woman? And what is this music? I am obsessed. I am obsessed. Um, yeah. So I just think there's just kind of something in the pulse of the show that draws people in and the people that it draws in, it draws in fully and completely. Um, yeah. And it must have been amazing getting to take that on the road and getting to give it more exposure with audiences around the country. Did the audience, where did the audience, do you think, receive it best? It really was well received everywhere. Um, We, you know, selling, I mean, even on Cinderella, which you'd think would sell out every single house in America, you know, it's just, it's hard to sell tours these days at yeah. least in my experience you know tar- like it, I mean again unless you're like a Hamilton or Lion King you're gonna have sometimes performances where the house isn't full um it's just kind of part of part of it and so you know we certainly weren't selling out every house but every after every performance so many people would come up to us and just say how much they loved it and how moved they were and how they wish more people knew about it, how they wish that it had lasted longer in New York and um, just, you know, how, how, how much they loved it. I think another thing that's interesting about Bright Star is that it is, as is everything, it is flawed. There are some flaws in it. And there are, you know, some, I know if I were in charge, there are some changes that I would make. Um, and I think that some of those flaws are like impossible for certain people to overlook. Whereas, you know, you're not gonna pick apart the flaws that flaws, you know, also that's subjective, yeah. but you're not gonna pick apart the flaws in Wicked because on the whole, it, there's, you know, there's so much, first of all, there's so much like positive, uh, yeah. you know, like uh, positive affirmation around it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like so widely accepted as a hit, um, at least yeah. now, you know, it wasn't when it opened, but now, <laughs> oh yeah, um, which we love. We love it when it's like, oh yeah, you like it now because you didn't like it when you wrote that review. In 2003, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, and I just think that for some people, the, the issues that issues, again, I use that knowing that it's subjective, the issues present in Bright Star are just impossible for some people to get over. You know, I yeah. think there's also a sense of like, it's kind, it's both very grandiose and very real and raw. And it kind of fluctuates between that world of like grand comedy and then very like, uh, 
very uh, grounded truth. And I think that sometimes that kind of shifting gears between the two is a little off-putting to audience members, which again, you know, I can understand. And if you don't know what you're getting into, it can feel, you know, I'm sure it feels a little like, wait, what's going on? I, I thought this was funny and I thought it was Steve Martin, but now it's actually really sad. And yeah, I, I don't know. But, um, but on the whole, it was, we got so much positive feedback while we were on the road from audiences and from critics, you know, not that I really, really care what yeah same you know it's I do like to know what people have to say and what people's opinions are and and there were it was just positivity really all around which was which was nice I I love that and I mean that album I wish that it would get revived because as I mentioned I was listening to the album last night and I would love to get an opportunity to see the show live I know. Me too. I hope it gets done. It was starting to kind of like get done more regionally. Um, I was actually supposed to return to my hometown theater um, really? Red Mountain, and I was going to direct and choreograph the production because I couldn't be in it because I had other things coming up, but I was going to make my directorial debut. Um, wow. Great star. It unfortunately got canceled, but um, hopefully, you know, we'll start to see more productions popping around. So I hope you, you're able to see it at some point. Yes, I really hope so. And then speaking of a club, Falsettos, that fan base, mm-hmm. oh my goodness gracious. I didn't know what I was getting myself into it when I went to see it for the first time personally. Okay. And I went and came back as people do with that show. Yep. And every time I'm like, picking up new things uh-huh. because you do it's very deep and it's very like um it's emotional yeah how did you uh get into the show and was the role was being in the show always on your bucket list um it was never on my bucket list because I didn't think I could I was like I'll never be Dr. Charlotte that I know um and then I was like eh, I don't really think I could ever be Trina and then I also was like, I certainly won't ever be Cordelia because that role is too high <laughs> for me. <Well>. <laughs> um, but I have been, I mean, I can't emphasize this enough, obsessed with falsettos since I was 13. I saw it, a, a college in Birmingham did a production and my first boyfriend who um, broke my heart when he broke up with me. And then he came out as gay about a year later. So I was like, okay, great. So now we can just be best friends. And he's still one of my, he actually came and saw the show in LA, which was really cool. But my first love, Will Lacey is his name. He was Jason at this, um, at the college in their production. And so I went and saw it obviously with my mom and my sister because we had to go see Will. And we just fell in love. We were so obsessed with the show. We thought it was so funny. We would like turn on four Jews in a room bitching and just laugh and laugh. We were like, ha ha ha, they're saying bitching every four seconds. And um, we, you know, bought the cast album at the time. The only, we could only find it. Oh my God. My mom found it on eBay and because she could only, because this was again before like the digital um, music world. So we had to buy actual CDs and she found it on eBay. And it was the version where it's like two discs and it like came in a big like double layer like CD packet and then came with those huge like little booklets that gave yes. us or whatever. I'll never forget. And um, 
So we got our CDs and just ran them into the ground, listened to them all the time. Um, I mean, seriously had the show like memorized uh, from, you know, 13 on. My sister sang Holding to the Ground for her senior recital um, Literally. in high school. So long. Unbelievable. Um, there's actually a video of her doing it on my Instagram because I put up, because I have one audio recording of me singing Trina the one time I oh. went on. And I like put Animalistas up. That's my sister. Hers up on my Instagram. So if you want to go watch it, my yes. sister's an unbelievable vocalist. And she was 18 and just like blowing it out in the original key, which is like a step higher than we did it in the revival. Um, and she's amazing. Anyway, so I've all, I'm obsessed with falsettos, always have been, always will be. And I think it was just one of those things that like felt like, you know, I never knew if it would even be done again. And also it just felt like a distant pipe dream. I was like, no, I love that show too much, like to be, to taint it with like an audition that doesn't go my way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so even when the revival was happening in New York, I was like, oh my God, I love falsettos. I love falsettos. I actually didn't see it. I was out of town. Um, but uh, I, I didn't even have it on my radar as something that I would, I would do. Um, and then when I got the audition, I actually had booked another job that I was um, so excited about. Um, and I turned down the falsettos audition. Uh-oh. And I emailed my agent and I was like, I don't think I want to go in. Like, I love this job I have. <laughs> it, it's like, it's one of the funniest, you know, my agents still give me a hard time about it because that was like, I just, so I, I didn't want to audition because I already had a job. And also the audition was for James Lapine. And that was extremely intimidating. And like I said, I, I was a little bit like, uh, I think Cordelia is kind of just uh, out of my range. Like I don't sing, I don't sing, like I don't do the high belting stuff. Like I can give you legit soprano, but I'm not trying to like, uh, that just gives me agita. Um, and so I wanted to turn the down the audition because I didn't want to, you know, stress about this highly stressful audition that I was going to have for James Lapine. And um, my agent called me and was like, um, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This is Settos <laughs> and this is James Lapine and you're going in whether you like it or not, basically. And thank God they like did. We're dragging you. <laughs> we're dragging you. You're going in, you're going in. And, um, so I went in, you know, I went in twice. It was for, yes. The first time I walked in, like, I mean, it was so old school and awesome. Like James himself, like came out into the hallway and was like reading from the list of people signed in to audition and was like, okay, great Audrey. And I like handed <laughs> my headshot and resume to James Lapine. Like, that's just like old, you know, there wasn't a casting director. Yeah. Obviously casting was in the room, but James was running it. And I was like, this is like old school. Awesome. This is like old Broadway shit, you know, excuse me, stuff. Good. No, uh, no that's okay. <laughs> Um, and it was just so, oh my God, it was so cool. And like, cut to me, I was like, here you go. Like literally like trembling, handing James Lapine my thing, like shaking his hand, like trying to not be a nervous wreck, but being extremely intimidated and nervous. Yeah. Um, but the auditions were so much fun. It was just delightful. James has a way of like, he'll, as soon as you walk in the room, he'll just start talking to you, like asking you questions about you. And I think it's so brilliant because, you know, it gets... It, it, it will immediately show him like who is ready to be present and who is too in their head to have a conversation. 
You know what I mean? And I remember yeah. as soon as he started talking to me, I was like, oh, okay, okay. Huh, I'm not auditioning. I'm just talking. I'm talking. Right. You, know, because you go in, you're like, great, here I go. And I'm going to sing. You're the child. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it. You know, you're just like ready to audition. And he kind of breaks you out of that like headspace that we all like want to zone into. He's like, no, we're just like going to talk instead. And so I remember like my first like couple minutes in the room with him was just chatting and he was asking me about being from Alabama and he asked me like how that was and he asked me if I'd ever seen falsettos and I said yes actually at my local college if you can believe it or not in Alabama they did a production of falsettos and so we just kind of chit-chatted and immediately I was like okay I'm okay I'm okay I'm okay and um yeah thank god my agents uh did did Maybe. go to that audition because yeah it ended up being you know like that doing that show and being a part of that cast and getting to work with with that team was is you know I'll never get over it it was that amazing. cast was so good and I know there's like there's like people online who are like you all should record a cast album of your own I wish we'd had <laughs> they, like they want it so bad and yeah. I want it so bad like I kind of wanted to, <laughs> I would love it just to listen to them and like to hear, you know, to listen to everybody's gorgeous voices and just like, oh, you know, God, it's, it was such a special cast. Oh my gosh. I'll never, I'll never recover. I mean, I remember because, you know, again, like I haven't, I have a lot of like uh, insecurity because I haven't been on Broadway. Um, I have yet to be in a Broadway show. Um, which now that I'm kind of like, you know, I'm 30 now, I feel like I'm like finding my oh, groove. And I feel like I know myself a lot better now than I did in my twenties. And so I'm, I'm kind of shedding that insecurity, but you know, I do have like a, always like a little, like, uh, I've never been on Broadway. Uh, you know, I'm just like, want that, you know, I want that yeah. experience. Um, and so when I found out that I had been cast, I was like, okay, great. Like, you know. I don't like, who knows, like who, who's going to want to go like, cause a lot of people don't want to tour, you know, which I understand because it takes you out of New York. It's, yeah. it's really taxing. It's hard on the body. It's hard on the mind. It's exhausting. I have a lot of practice doing it. So at this point I'm like, eh, it's no big deal. Right. Um, but you know, for people who are more rooted in New York and have a lot of experience in shows or, or you know, being tethered to shows in New York, it's, it feels like the, you know, rug is ripped out from under you when you're going on tour. Um, and so, you know, I was like, okay, I'm like excited to see like who the cast is, whatever. And then when I found out that it was the cast, who it was, I burst into tears. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be playing opposite these people. This is insane. What is happening? Like just star studded and the most magical human beings. And like, I mean, I've been obsessed with Eden. I mean, you know, we yeah. used to jam to Brooklyn in the car and Max and Nick. I saw opening night of Priscilla Queen of the Desert when I was in college. So I was like geeking out about that with Nick and Nick. <laughs> oh my God, just everybody. And Brianna, I mean, I don't even oh my God. how magical Brianna is, but I just wept. I wept and wept because I couldn't believe that I was among that group of people that I was chosen to be in that cast with them. It was really, it still just feels like a, feels like a dream. And I'm sure the applause also that you got at during your entrance on stage every so night. Yes, as I said, I saw it multiple times. And every time when you all entered, that applause that you got in the second act, it was like, I feel like you had to like pause for like three minutes. I after. wish we had been able to and just be like, 
what? I mean, because we were told, you know, like, you guys will probably get some applause, just be ready. Um, you know, but that was, um, that was in New York. And just, you know, New York audiences are very different from audiences yeah. on tour. Um, and you just kind of never know, like, you never know. And also it was like, you know, Betsy Wolf and Tracy Toms, like, I mean, you know, icons. Yeah. And of course, Brianna, I know is an icon. And so I was like, I know Brianna will get like hoots and hollers for sure. Um, but we didn't know if that was going to be like a consistent thing. And it, you know, every night without yeah. fail, we got that. I mean, the first time, I mean, the first couple of times, like it was hard to sing, you know, cause we're supposed to come out doing this like, ooh, wow. Ah, and the first time it started, we were just like, ooh, like I couldn't even sing. I was like, what is happening? It just felt like we were, you know, in a, in a rock concert. It was wild. Did you have anyone come to stage door with like special stories? Because I know this show is so deep, like so meaningful to a lot of people. So many, so many, um, so many young people finding their way with their gender identity and with their sexual identity and all of these things that are just so unbelievably hard to navigate just would come and pour their hearts out to us. And it was so special, you know, and they would tell us like what the show means to them and, and how it's helped them and how it's helped them love themselves. Because, you know, you, you see, you know, you see a lesbian couple that's huge. You see a gay couple that's huge. You see, you know, a woman ha having gone through a divorce. You just, you see so many different things happening that, and they're not, um, and, and they're almost normalized, you know, and not that they're losing any of their weight or value or of how impactful those life experiences are, but it's just like, oh, people have gone through this before me. I can get through this. Yeah. Um, and while we were in San Francisco, actually, we had so many heartbreaking stories about uh, people who had lost loved ones and friends, lovers, loved ones, family members to the AIDS crisis back in the in the 80s and the 90s and you know we we had so many people come and tell us just what a cathartic experience it was to see the show and to kind of relive that uh you know that that loss in a way and kind of go through the emotional expulsion of that of that energy and that sadness again and to to, to be you know because by the, end of, by the end of the show there is not a dry eye in the place <laughs> no even if you don't like the show, even if you don't, you know, you think it's weird and you think the, the, you know, the lyrics are weird, what have you, you can't sit through to the end and not cry. And so I think for people that had a personal experience with the AIDS crisis, um, to be in a room filled with people crying along with them and knowing, and even if it's not about that exact, obviously same loss that they experienced, but just to kind of be in a group of people where everyone is collectively crying, it's so powerful. And, you know, it just, I think it restores humanity. I know it did for me. And it just reminded me every single time I was like, no matter where we all came from, no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening in the outside world, we're sitting here together being vulnerable with each other and crying and being sad. And you're all, and we're all thinking about something different. I know we are, you know, I know I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. I know everybody else on stage is dealing with whatever they're dealing with. You know, it's cathartic for all involved. And I think that collective vulnerability 
of being open emo emotionally and letting yourself feel is so powerful and is so important. And that's why theater is so important and why falsettos is so important because there's so few experiences in the theater like that. Um, yeah, so it was really hearing those stories and, and, the, and that people felt comfortable sharing with us. It, it, that is an honor to me and it was, it was beautiful. And I'm just so lucky to have been a part of it. And you got to portray a character that like, I mean, there was so much positivity around that character, no matter how tough things get in the show, that like your character is always positive and, yeah. or trying to be. Trying to be, exactly, yeah. which, which is so fun. So when Broadway comes back and you get cast in a Broadway show, what's nice. your dream role? Oh my God. Well, I actually was right before the shutdown, I got my first Broadway offer. So it was going to happen and I'm holding out hope that it will happen. It will. It's a show that's like, hasn't been announced. So I can't really share what it is, but we were going to have our out of town in DC. And then we were going to move into to Broadway a couple months following that. Um, so fingers crossed, but I was like, oh my God, finally it's not happening, but I got the yeah. offer. <laughs> um, let's see though, like dream rolls for real wicked in Glenda. Like I was going to say, like, I have to, I have to do it. Yes. I want to do it so badly. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, mm, I don't want to do, you know, whatever people have done it. People have done it. I want to do it so badly because I, I have so many ideas. I have so many things that I want to try. I have so many things I want to do. I want the challenge of it. I want, you know, I, I'm just also obsessed with Wicked. I, I love that show so much. And yeah, so I would love to play uh, Glinda. I could see it happening and I would love to see your Glinda. Thank you. I want to see the ideas you have in mind. It's that character so fun to watch different people play i know i mean the rabbit holes i go down on youtube where i'm like i'm gonna watch uh, a popular compilation for three hours tonight <laughs> right i'm still just like such a theater geek at heart i can spend hours on youtube watching um wicked videos so and it's like one o'clock when you start and then by the time you you finish watching it's like midnight and you're like correct wait i forgot right. to <laughs> i guess i'm like i spent my day doing that and that's a day well spent I can't, be upset. Okay. <laughs> I can't be upset. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to most when theater comes back? Cause obviously it's on a break. It's kind of like live theater isn't happening right now. Right. And I mean, it's so needed. It's so needed. How do you think it's going to be different? Oh my gosh. I, I, now that I don't even know. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be very different. I think it's going to be uh, a challenge for a lot of us because I think that our idea of normal is going to, is going to be, uh, is going to kind of just, it's going to be a long time until we get back to that point. Um, just, you know, respecting the pandemic and what's happening. And, you know, I think it's going to, it's going to be a while until we can like really return to what our ideas of normal were. Um, but so I really don't, I don't, I really don't know how it's going to look. I hope, I, I know we'll get creative and I know we'll make it happen. Um, you know, with whatever the mandates are, whatever the restrictions need to be, I know and trust that our community will get creative and we'll make it happen and be brilliant yeah. about it. And some magic will occur and we will persevere. I know that. 
Um, I think I'm most excited to connect with our people and, you know, see my friends <laughs> and to, to see them in our space, you know, whether it be an audition room or a rehearsal room or God willing on a stage in front of an audience. Um, I'm just so, you know, I really do just kind of get teary thinking about what that's going to feel like that first time back performing. Um, just it, I'm, I'm excited for it. I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to be beautiful. Um, it's going to be sobbing. So, oh yeah. I mean, it's basically going to be, I think three hours of an audience watching a cast cry through cry their way through a performance. No. At least if I'm on stage, that's what it will be. It will be <laughs> hard to do anything, but sit there and cry tears of joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the con connect, just the connection, the connection with my fellow comrades and the audience. That's what I, I miss the most and I'm most excited for. And you're right. People like people make things happen in this industry because virtual theater has been such a like huge thing during this time. And it's yeah. been so important to so many people. Absolutely. And helped people get through this time. Yeah. And I know we'll continue to find new ways. You know, we, yeah. we always grow with the times. You know, we shift and grow with the times and we'll continue to do it now. And I look forward to seeing how it ebbs and flows. Yes. And then lastly, do you have anything that you'd want to promote that you've been working on like during this time, whether it's theater related or not? Um, not really. I've had like a couple projects that I like started to work on, but they've all kind of been like pushed and they've just been personal projects. So at this moment, no, but I will say that in, on March 15th of 2020, I was supposed to have my solo show, my first ever solo show performance um, in New York. It was obviously canceled, um, but I, I have, you know, ideas and I'm starting to kind of think about uh, pulling that from the archives and maybe doing some kind of digital yeah. release or, or, you know, I'm going to have to obviously record it and do all that. So I don't have anything at the moment, but stay tuned because I feel like I will eventually crawl out of my, my hole that I've been in. Just, I feel like I've been kind of hibernating, you know, just like creatively. Yeah. And I think I'm going to come out and do my solo show or some version of it that I was yeah. working on. Yes. I love that. I, I yeah. hope, I hope we can get to see it at least virtually. Me too. You know, I think I was like, that kind of idea was like thrown around a little bit soon, you know, after we canceled it. And I, I kind of just put it out of my mind. I, I feel like so much other stuff in the world started happening that I was like, oh, I'm just kind of diving into to this. And me and my creative endeavors are going on the back burner. Um, which I don't necessarily think was like a great choice because, you know, I am a creative person and I was itching and getting kind of agitated without my creative releases. Um, but that's just kind of, you know, what happened. And now I'm starting to kind of like, like I said, kind of crawl out of that little like hole I was in and I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. I am a creative person and these are the things that I love to do. And I think we might, it might be time. It might be time to try to go digital with this whole thing. Yes. So, so we'll where, can, where can people follow you on social media to uh, keep up with what you're doing and to find out when this is going to go to 
digital. Yes. Yeah. When it, I like that. When it's going to go, not even if, yes. it's when it's going to um, My Instagram is at a cat, K-A-T card. Um, and that's really kind of where I do all my social media blasts. I also have a Twitter. It's the same handle, but I'm not really active on Twitter. I really just stick to the good old Instagram. Um, yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. Yes. I love that. And thank you again for joining me on this. I was like trying to keep myself from sobbing, listening to your story because like, it's so amazing listening to someone who's overcome so much and I appreciate that is living her dream yeah just I feel very lucky I also feel very just very lucky <laughs> and I can't wait till you make your Broadway debut and thanks babe me too it'll be great when it happens it's gonna happen worth the wait I'm sure I'm I'm gonna be like it's today it's today in my phone <laughs> well, so awesome thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!